0: what's up everybody welcome to episode 48 of the overview i'm chan man v and joining me today is my co-host fish sticks what's up buddy hello hello and we've got a special guest yet another first time guest uh captain of t- uh, hammer esports jake i feel like i feel weird just saying jake i mean it's just like calling <laughs> you like your are by your real name instead of by your actual player name <laughs> so welcome to the show man
1: Uh, it's great to be here thank you
0: yeah super happy to have you here lots to talk about so it's going to be great getting your opinions and thoughts on a lot of things going on right now particularly about the game Uh, but yeah guys you know Again, it's like a Tuesday, and uh, we lucked out this Tuesday, given that they they released everything before the show instead of after the show or during the show. So we've got the patch out there, Season 4 starting. Uh, We've got tons of events to talk about, some news involving Overwatch as well as players, and potential news maybe, or or maybe some speculations as to what some players are doing. Uh, So we'll just get things started right off the bat and kind of... I guess get get everybody's thoughts on what you guys are doing right with Overwatch, and maybe let's start off with golden guns. Did you guys get a golden gun at the end of season three?
2: Yep. Yeah, I, heard, which, I which picked mine up like as soon as as soon as that splash screen showed up. Oh, you got three thousand competitive points. I'm like, boink. Yep, uh, I got a uh, Winston. Winston. I've already nice. Yeah. all right. Uh, yeah. I, I absolutely love my Yeti Winston skin. I think it's probably my favorite skin in the whole game, and now I've got the golden gun. Uh, To go along with it, so feels good, man. I think I'm up to uh, well, I've got Lucio, Genji, Farah, Winston now. So wow, nice guns and
0: counting. Okay, you?
1: In keeping with the patch, I have 4,964 points, and I am uh, unlocking the golden bastion skin. (laughs) Oh, you dirty! Right now, all right, there we go. Right now, locked in, locked Locked
0: in. in. He did it right (laughs) at his show. Yes. All right. I guess you're you're anticipating Bastion being strong, surprise. surprise. We're, we're gonna get to this. We're gonna get yes. to this in a moment. Yes. Not quite yet. Uh, so I'm sitting on thirty four hundred and I haven't decided who I want yet. It's between it's between Diva and originally it was just gonna be Zenyatta because I used to always play Zenyatta on all the um the King of the Hill maps. But I've been having second thoughts, so it's either going to be D.Va, and then Jake's been been giving me very solid argument for Bastion, which, uh, I don't know, I might, I might be swayed. I might have to talk to my son about it, too, to see, see what he thinks. But I'll probably be picking the Golden Gun later tonight, though, so I can't wait to, to do that. Uh, but season four starts. You guys excited to jump on competitive right off the get-go tonight?
1: uh I'm, I'm actually not gonna get a chance tonight just because we have uh you know four hours of scrims before our <laughs> yeah. carbon match against uh, immortals tonight which is gonna be a big match for us so it's definitely the priority but tomorrow i'll be jumping right into competitive hoping to
2: yeah, th- there's always a concern about playing on day one of a new patch as well i'm sure we're gonna see bastions left right and center uh tonight <laughs> as well as i don't know maybe some more mercies things like that it's always a little bit risky you know you could win a lot you could lose a lot really depends on uh, the luck of the draw sometimes with the brand new patch days. But uh, yeah, I've been I've been just chilling. I have not been playing Overwatch. Me well, ranked has been down. Uh, just been grinding like Civ 6 constantly. That game is
0: grinding weak. Civ 6.
2: Oh, my God. That's that game never ending. sucks man. away your life in a way that no other game possibly ever could. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, I'll play some warm up games, but then uh, probably going to jump right into it tonight.
0: Get those placements. Out caution
2: the to the wind.
0: Mm hmm. That'd be good, definitely good. Um, So you guys are playing Immortals tonight, Jake? Oh yes, we are. Oh wow, that's gonna be great.
1: Yeah, from um, from the Alienware series.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be great. Your your first series was actually really good. I look forward to seeing that tonight. Um, But yeah, so since we have you here, Jake, it'd be great to you kind of do a mini interview with you, kind of get caught up with you. Um, So yeah, tell us a little bit about you know you're you're obviously a college student, and um, you know we have some college students obviously on some teams, but for the most part these days, not very many, actually. Right, Ben? I, I don't think we've got that many double-timing um, Overwatch pros right now in the in some of the top teams. So, yeah, so yeah Jake, t- tell me a little bit about that, juggling school and obviously playing in a professional Overwatch schedule.
1: Um, I've sacrificed a lot, I would say, in terms of like college. Uh, I'm looking to graduate early just so I can be done and, and go into full-time gaming just because it is quite taxing. I mean, I'm basically do nothing other than schoolwork and uh you know things to pursue my professional overwatch career uh, but you know i, I don't know I, I love both of them so just looking forward to um finishing it out uh, uh i'm all, i figure i'm so close it's just crazy to drop out uh yeah crazy to quit now especially with i'll be i should be done like right as the overwatch league comes out roughly i mean no one knows exactly when but uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for me to just get a degree, uh, just because I've, I've, you know, already put three years yeah. into it.
0: So you're one of the few yeah. people that are actually happy that they haven't done anything with Overwatch League quite yet, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Well, if it came out right now, I don't know if I could do it. So right. Exactly. I'd have to wait for season two or something. So I'm, I'm a little glad. I mean, also I'm glad that they're taking the time to make sure that they do it right. And if anyone could do it right, it's a company with the, you know, scope and the uh, reach of, of Activision Blizzard.
2: Well, I definitely commend your decision to finish out school. Fun fact, I joined Twitch with literally one credit before graduation. <laughs> Seriously? Uh, I didn't know Six years that. ago. I, I never finished that last class. So,
0: Wait, do yeah. you lose credit? Uh, do you lose all your credits now? Or no, still... It's still, it's okay.
2: sti- I could still get a degree. Do I just need night, to do dude. one class. I,
0: who's got time for that? Are she, the I weekends. I mean, something. Yeah. Man, geez. <laughs> it's a one, one credit.
2: Day, okay, one Dad. Day. Damn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, the worst thing you want is like losing those credits. Cause eventually I think they do expire, right? Or something like that. Probably. Don't yeah. let that happen, dude. <laughs> what are you studying? Jake? You mind me asking? Uh, I'm
1: actually a double major in philosophy and economics.
0: Okay, cool. Good stuff. Um, so yeah, talk to me about hammer Esports. Like, uh, you're obviously the captain of the team. You guys have been performing well for the last couple months, I would say maybe even more, um, Mm, yeah, but definitely January in, in mm-hmm. and ja- onwards January a, was a really good month. Yeah, for us yeah.
1: Since, uh, I think our record in January was 20 and 1.
0: Instantly. Yeah, so how did the team all come together with Hammer and then you know just talk, kind of talk about now?
1: Mm-hmm. So originally we were Bird Noises, um, which was a team name <laughs> that some of the players had used in Team Fortress 2, because that's a game that actually all six of us had played at the highest competitive level. Oh, okay. um, four of us have played in ESCA Invite, two of us played in Intermediate at the highest uh, peak, we all played in the highest division of uh, the 9v9 game mode. Um, oh, wow. Oh,
0: okay. And I
1: think, so TF2 was a game, you know, with like no exposure, no money. You know, you if you're yeah. playing TF2 competitively at the highest level, you do it because you love the game and for no other reason, because there's never a prospect of it being a career. Um, so I think all of us coming from that background together, you know, we all migrated to Overwatch. And in fact, only one of our players had the beta access and he like only got it for like the last... You know, month or something of open beta, like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't play the game a single time until the first the the, the weekend that you got just for pre-ordering the game. That was my first taste of Overwatch, uh, and I was studying abroad in the Netherlands, playing on a MacBook Pro with boot Bootcamp. Um,
0: Ouch. <laughs> oh my god! And
1: actually, that season I got to top five hundred in Europe on what? the MacBook.
0: <laughs> MacBook. Um, I played a Not lot in... of
1: Winston. I really came to love the character of Winston. Could just He's you know, the best. smart people didn't need to aim which was uh, a lot of fun. Um, but then from there, you know, I think we we all sort of started to realize pretty quickly that we want to take the game seriously. Pretty quickly found each other uh, um, through ranked play. Uh, we had actually had five of six of our current roster, like from day one. Uh, we went through a few supports, but finally, you know, picking up a bass, I think was the best choice for us. and It's been really clear from our, our, our success. Uh, and then, you know, after a while playing as bird noises, eventually we got sponsored. People were realizing, wow, this team's, You know, dominating the North American scene. Okay, maybe maybe they were sponsoring. They just beat six sponsored teams in a row in a tournament. (laughs) Mm -mm, Like, let's think about that. Yeah, Uh, which was you know sort of our our evil plan all along. (laughs) Um,
2: Yeah, not so evil.
0: I know when you (laughs) guys got picked up by Hammer. um, You know, people thought it was actually crazy great value for Hammer to 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 get you guys. You guys were you guys approached by any bigger organizations? Um,
1: we talked to a few different organizations, but you know. It was all like a lot of orgs really wanted to poach individuals from our team to like you know uh, enhance their current roster. I had standing offers from like just trying to count five different you know tier one, tier two orgs, but I didn't want to leave because I I just didn't believe any of those teams had the potential that my roster of six had. Um, Okay so and then you know there's a lot of our players had you know individual poaching offers but you know not many teams are like yeah let's like jettison our whole roster and pick up an entire new one and i made it clear that that was the only kind of deal i would be interested in
0: That's um, cool man
2: so, a lot so, of the so you, guys, you guys transitioned together from tf2 or you refound each other or you maybe played against each other in tf2 or yeah you team?
1: know I, I didn't i didn't uh train in vol i had actually played on the original tf2 bird noises together it's a team that played in uh they they played an open for one season then they won it the next season then they played an intermediate and then they won it the season after that and then they played an invite for like two or three seasons and then at that point you know overwatch is starting to come out and it was like okay well this is we all we all knew that we wanted to make the transition to like a serious esport with a real future i think um and from there we found each other just by the knowledge that we were all xtf tf2 players and that we were all like you know really uh, high-rated ranked players and we knew that we had like the potential um, and then from that core of five, uh, we just, you know, started scrimming, started working together, trying out new supports. Uh, eventually we, we moved through a process to get a vast and, uh, as his, he had another team of TF two, two players, but that team actually died. So we picked up a vast from, uh, from that dead team. Um, and then from there, you know, I think the rest is history. We all started playing together. And then pretty quickly after, after that, we started playing under hammers eSports and,
2: um, yeah, monthly melee. I would say yeah. was the biggest yeah. tournament at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's an awesome story to hear that you guys kind of all came from TF2 together. Uh, that that was literally the the thing I was going to ask is just like, who the hell are you guys? Because <laughs> I've been watching this scene oh so closely for actually over a year now since uh, since closed beta, um, and more than that, I, I know people from TF2, I know people from Quake, I know people from Tribes, and looking at your roster, I'm like. Who are these guys coming in, uh, taking out that the taking first place last month in the Alienware Monthly Melee? Then this month you take second place. Uh, you know we, we saw the Rogue team eventually take first uh, over the course of this weekend, but you've taken a first place, a second place. You're currently the number one ranked team in the Overwatch Carbon series. Uh, you know this just started last week, but nonetheless you're still three and zero with the, the best map score right now uh so i'm just sitting here wondering like i don't recognize these names where where'd you guys come from but it it sounds like a little bit of camaraderie and uh, an experience in the tf2 scene Uh, but talk talk to us a little bit about what you've done to create uh create the synergies that you have uh what kind of practice regiment you have going into carbon series and and future tournaments and 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 a um so as far as our practice goes
1: barring like tournaments uh, um you know that have specific hour requirements etc we'll generally scrim six hours a day six days a week um and that's just like with the team practice and then i know everyone on the team plays probably four or five hours a day outside of that and just ranked um so we're all i guess in a very very committed situation we're all looking to position ourselves as well as possible for the overwatch league because that's you know looking more and more like a reality for us um aside from aside from that i guess like like where we come from. I think I think it's interesting because you see, you know, a lot of players and a lot of commentators and, and, and viewers of Overwatch, you know, they say, oh my God, look at that. That's like, that's like a Quake legend. Like, I was like the best <laughs> in the world at Quake. Yeah. Quake yeah. Like, how does anyone compete with that? A
0: whole team of that. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, they just picked up six, like, you know, top Quake pros and they're All like, favorites. they're just gonna dominate yeah. the scene. Like, you know, and I think what, there's two things I would say. The first is that we, you know, as, you know, ver- effectively nobodies, didn't have any sort of you know early beta access we didn't have anyone at Blizzard to put us in our their family and friends list like there wasn't there wasn't any option for that so even though I signed up for the Coles beta on the very very first day that it was announced and it was available for public signups um, you know didn't even get a free weekend throughout the entire uh, process just didn't, didn't roll lucky I don't think any of us did actually
0: brutal uh,
1: aside from Rob who got in about three weeks before the end of it or something so we all came in on day one as just like you know Christmas noobs effectively you know just uh, doing our best and, and competing against players who had played the game for months. And in the competitive scene, obviously we had no chance at the beginning. We we're just, you know, we we're playing against people who played the game for three months more than us. So in the beginning, you know, I, I think we definitely looked like a weaker team. I mean, you know, started off playing in the really small tournaments against other similarly skilled teams. Um, but I think we always had the perspective that we knew that on an individual mechanical level, we could compete with anyone out there that there's absolutely no one out there that we're scared to one do one. There's no one out there that we're, we're actually worried about on a mechanical level. Um, and then from there, it just came. It came to an idea of building synergy. Um, one thing is, it's always been my philosophy with the team to not cut players. Um, partly that's because I'm fortunate enough to have a roster of six that I actually just believe can compete at the highest level and doesn't need an update. Doesn't need, oh, this is a weak player. We need to get rid of them and get a, you know, pick up a quake legend. Uh, I just don't. I don't believe in that. And I believe that you know, a game like Overwatch, it actually is going to really punish teams that try to grow in that way, and really reward teams that that keep a stable core. And don't change over time and, and and build the synergies, build the the interpersonal connections and trust that I think are really necessary to succeed in Overwatch.
0: Yeah, there's something well, definitely to be said about growing together, you know, progressing together and you know, not giving up on certain players like too soon, um, for whatever reason. I mean, a lot of these have to do with personalities and things. So whenever you have like something a team that synergizes in that well, that's that's amazing. But I have to say a lot of times decisions are made based on what they feel is mechanical reasons, you know, and at times they give up on uncertain people, whether it's the right or wrong decisions really based on the scenario. But it's definitely great to hear that, you know, you, you, you're number one, you're loyal. And, and number two, that, you know, you kind of believe and you, you believe in the potential of your team and, and stick with it versus just trying to go for like quick fixes and that sort of thing. That's really cool.
2: Well, you're pretty unique. In yeah. That. I mean, not a lot of, current Overwatch teams have actually been together for any significant period of time. Everyone seems to be switching out players like as soon as as, uh, something goes wrong. It sounds like you just have a lot of mutual trust in each other.
1: I mean, I think it's the results speak for themselves for one. But I mean, partly that's you can't really separate that from us as players. Like maybe we're just really strong players. Um, But what I really believe is that if you create that environment of, of trust within the team, wherein people aren't playing with the implicit concern. Hey, look, if I start playing bad, uh, I'm going to get the ax because the team just is going to pick up someone who can, who can fill those shoes. And like, that's just like a, a you know, a, an implicit threat at all times. And not that that's like, um, I don't know, not that that makes it like impossible for a team to succeed, but it, it you know, it makes an individual from it makes the, the individual's perspective on the team to be that they need to be a performer. And if they're not a performer, then they're going to pick up someone who is so, what I the key problem I think that this creates. I mean, some people see that as like motivational. It's like mm-hmm. everyone right. needs to be performing at the highest level, but of course it's all perception, right? Like there's no objective way to measure a player's mechanical skill. Even something like accuracy is super misleading in a game like Overwatch when shooting shields consider, is considered hitting shots. Um, so so you know and like and like decisions a player makes. You know there's so many intangibles in a game like Overwatch that I d- I just don't believe in like you know numerical measures of skill. So. The one thing I think that really is is unique to having that environment of trust and players knowing that they're not just going to get cut because they aren't performing super well that night or or that week or that month is that players have a have a feeling that they don't need to like prove themselves. Like you don't need to go into a game and be like, "Look, I'm going to go make a big play because I want to like show that I'm a really good player so that like the org knows I'm a good player and they don't cut me." You know, like I think if you're playing like that, you're not playing perfectly. You you can't play perfectly because your incentive is somehow something other than win. And if it's anything other than win, then you're doing something wrong. Like you're going to make the wrong play. Even if it works out, it might've just been the wrong play. Uh, And then, you know, also in a situation where let's say I, as a team captain, I don't actually know what went wrong in a push. We lose a fight. I say, what happened? Like, what do we do? Is that a bad strategy? Like, do I need to, do we need to change the composition? Do we need to call a different strategy? Like, is that like, was that a, was that a, you know, compositional mistake? And in a situation where players feel like they have to like, you know, appear to be really strong players maybe someone made a grave error that, that, that push and they know that they just made a mechanical mistake or they should have won a fight but they didn't maybe they don't speak up because they don't want to be known yeah. that, like, that that's something that happened whereas when they do speak up and one of my players says look I messed up like I lost a fight I should have won it it was advantaged it was a good fight I just he out, he out end me my bad then I know that the strategy is solid right like we have that trust that let's, let's just do it again like literally just run that play again and it'll work this mm-hmm. time because we know the strategy is solid and people you know, can learn from their mistakes in a community environment yeah. And I just don't think it's possible to have that under the threat of performer get cut.
0: You know, that's a Bam. great perspective, dude. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. it's so great and refreshing to hear that coming from you. And especially you being a pretty young, you know, young captain of a team. I mean, this, this is great. I mean, uh, you know, I think this is a, an attribute that's really good for, you know, leaders and, and, um, you know, uh, it's it's great to hear that's it's the biggest thing for me
2: yeah it really is if you look at uh, csgo there there's a parallel there uh virtus pro the same roster has been around for <laughs> almost true. 4 years now and they won they the last time they had won a major tournament uh was like years ago yet they stuck together and now they're all of a sudden winning all these tournaments again and uh, just took home a win at dreamhack las vegas and made it yep. to the finals of a uh, of the last major and all all that. So, uh, it's really great to hear your perspective there. Uh, Jake, I'm much appreciated. And I mean, let's look at the results from this last weekend in the Alienware monthly melee, you beat you beat luminosity, you beat phase clan, you beat complexity, you beat immortals. It was only rogue, the, the fully French squad in their, in their final form, uh, that took you down in the end, (laughs) but you basically had to run through all of North America's best teams to get there. Um, Sounds like you expected that kind of result, though. You have a lot of trust in your team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would say on day one in the group stage, we just felt like we didn't really perform to our expectations. We went down o two to Rogue. we went down two one to Renegades. Um, we beat Phase two one, which was closer than we would have liked. Uh, honestly, there was a lot of like close results on uh, in the group stage, but but ultimately we we came out the lower uh, on the bad side of them more often than not, and I think for us that was a disappointment because you know the last day were our group stages we swept So we basically we basically did what rogue did where we didn't drop we dropped you know two maps in the entire tournament um which was you know it's like a it's a great feeling to have as a team to like play at that level so we were all sort of hoping for that same level of results you know like looking to just repeat that again um but after the day of the group stages we had to take a, a you know big step back and reflect and like talk things over I and mean, we spent like two or three hours just in discord together just talking about you know what went wrong like who's playing what, like, how do we need to strategically reassess this? Like should we be putting different players on different roles and need to be, you know, like playing our more comfort classes. And I think the biggest thing was as a team, we were able to come into day two feeling really refreshed and feeling like in the bracket play that even though we're starting in the lower bracket, always one game or one series from elimination that we were, we were ready to go back to the grand finals. Like that. We, we, we felt like our, our, the only real opponent that we would, that we would be worried about was rogue. Um, and I mean, not that not that the other teams aren't aren't really solid, but we just felt like we could beat every other team, and that Rogue was the real one that we were going to have to play at absolutely 100 to to defeat. Yeah. Um. And I think, I think that mentality is really valuable because we as a team has have always had a lot of confidence in each other, a lot of trust in each other. Um. You know, I've had times in matches where we used to have strategy that we've never run before, and a player's just like, look, like let me do, this. like let me just switch to this character, like I, this this will work. Like I I know that I can just fill my role better if I'm on this class. And we've had the trust to be like, look, go for it. Like, I, I trust you. Like, how are you going to, like, well, like, tell us what you're going to do so we can work around it. But, like, let's make it happen. Like, uh, uh, you know, leave the space open for players to innovate like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, really shows when we're able to come back from a really poor group stage performance and, and bring it all the way back to get second place in the whole tournament. Um, against Rogue in specific, I would say part of it was fatigue, given that we had just been playing. We had played uh, six series that day, like a total of something like 15 maps. Uh, like, you know, throughout the day, and you know, I personally hadn't eaten since breakfast. I think most of the players like hadn't eaten for 12 hours or something before we played Rogue, <laughs> which was just a mistake. We should have taken, like, we had like an hour somewhere yeah. to go eat food, but we just didn't. We were, like, watching the, the other games that were on stream, trying to research our opponents. Um, so we ended up kind of running out of steam, and I think, uh, despite the fact that we were able to tape, take a map off Rogue, which we were really happy about, nice to draw blood, um, we we felt like we didn't play our best in Lijong and ended up losing that map, and, uh, you know, I think, I, I think everyone on the stream could probably see that Rogue was the stronger team in that series for sure. So I don't want to make yeah. any excuses for that, just to say that I'm really looking forward to the rematch.
0: I feel like you guys were getting more and more comfortable as that, that uh, series was going on. And it, it showed, obviously, in Dorado when you know, you guys ended up taking the map, but even just Dorado, I think the beginning of Dorado, it was, you know, they were up obviously like two Oh on you guys, but as Dorado was even going more on and on and on, I felt like you guys were getting the better end of like some exchanges. And obviously the four tank at the end, the strategically ended up working really well for you guys. Um, but this whole progression, you know, and this might not be necessarily how you guys look at it, but at least from us, you know, being pundits and, you know, liking to talk about storylines and things, you know, this whole progression from, from team, you know, just, uh, like like even where you guys started, having to, you know, basically, um, you know, win or be one of the best teams in NA, which I feel like you guys already are, you know, whether, you know, it's you guys, Immortals, or even maybe even Renegade in that, that um, discussion, but you guys have all, cleared that hurdle for now, you know, already, so going against Rogue, I mean, do you guys look at it that way? Do you guys look at it as, like, okay, the next tier, basically, you know, what what a lot of people call tier ones, you know, whatever in the community. Do you look at that? Do you look at that, and how do you guys feel compared to those teams right now?
1: I would say we as a team go into every game with the, you know, really strong conviction that we can win. Um, no matter who our opponent is, no matter how strong they've been playing, no matter how, you know, like, even every match like we're down two in a series, and you know, we're, we're, we believe that we can win, you know, we're, we're ready to, to, like, give it all and, and, and pull out the quad tank, you know, we went back to our roots, went back to our comfort picks, which I don't think is actually a, a genuinely, like, really strong composition in this patch, I just think against what Rogue is running, it's a really, really powerful counterplay, mm-hmm. um, and it seems that it sort of punishes Rogue's uh, unwillingness or maybe inability to, to like, you know, run those more static tank uh, tank compositions, which I honestly think triple tank should just always be quad tank in, in the current patch. Uh, just more versatile and less heal dependent mm. on Ana the, the with a the weakened bio grenade. but since rogue is really resistant to running those kind of lineups then uh you know the quad can work because it really does punish their inability to burst extremely high health targets um so i i think from from our perspective it's breaking into that 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 you know upper echelon mm. is has always been sort of uh, a reality for us I mean, we've always sort of believed that we could be there and we already were there regardless of where the ghost rankings are regardless of what our history is um you know, we're playing against these teams with infinitely more experience than us, infinitely more uh, just proven success than us. And I think our reaction to that has always been, like, well, like, let's just let's just go out there and win, right? Yeah. Like, let's just, you know, like, like, we can, you know, especially when we're the underdogs, it's a great feeling to just, you know, go out there and, and right. you know, play fearlessly, play without the fear of losing, you know, play, like, with the strong belief that, you know, our teammates can win every fight and we have the potential to play at the highest level. i think the you... biggest thing for us is playing against teams like Envy that have just been in Korea forever that we would right. love to play. We would love to practice against. But we just have never gotten the chance to because they they were in Korea. When we formed as a team, they were in Korea.
0: So Yeah, that was that the next question I was going to ask you. Like, who do you who do you get a chance to scrimmage
1: these days? Uh, we could we do a lot of blocks against LG. Um mm-hmm. they've been a really strong team. I think they've been having some some struggles recently, but I, I really believe in that team. I, I think they have a lot of potential and there's a lot of you know real talent on that roster. Um Lost scrimmage against LG, selfless has been another just oh, yeah. really, really impressive North well. American yeah. team right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what their rank is, but I would say they're you know top ten NA easily. Um, they weren't. They're not in the Overwatch Carbon series, which I think is to the detriment of the series. I think they're actually you know really absolutely yeah. deserve to be in the you top know, six one of the of hottest
0: scenes, yeah,
1: yeah. And, and and I think that was partly because when they were doing invites, you know, Selfless hadn't quite shown that, and they hadn't quite you know really uh, gelled with their new roster yet. Um, but I really have. We really enjoy scrimming them. They're a powerhouse team for sure. So they you know push us to improve every scrim block. Um, we scrimmed a bit against NRG's new yeah. roster. Scrimmed a bit against. Um, complexity um, mostly NA renegades a lot yeah yeah, NA teams I mean we've scrimmed a very very small band against Euro teams we actually scrim rogue now but now that they're actually in NA that's
0: great it's mostly like a ping and
1: and, and a time difference thing like I think uh, you know no no one wants to play on 150 ping if they don't have to and like the Europeans if they're playing during our scrim blocks it's like you know 4am and if we're playing during their scrim blocks It's like, you know, eight in the morning. It's like, you know, neither one are are, are really going to work for us. So,
0: yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the meta and we'll kind of transition into the patch notes after this, given that there's going to be a big old possible change in the meta. But uh, what are your thoughts on the meta currently pre-patch?
1: Love it. Love it. I really like that it actually opens stylistic doors for teams. Wherein, in every previous patch, there had been a clearly dominant composition, and if you weren't running that composition, nine times out of ten, you were losing. Um, I think that's a really stifling way to play the game. It's just like, well, like, let's just pick the good comp, and it, it's kind of brain-dead. It's like, well, I mean, playing the comp you know requires coordination and, and skill and intelligence, but not being able to genuinely choose a comp or not being able to genuinely choose more than like one flex hero is... A really, really limiting thing for a game with as many heroes and as many options as Overwatch, and I think the more doors are open as far as hero picks, and the more the more the greater the number of viable team compositions, the more fun it is to play, the more fun it is to watch. Uh, I love to see different strategies clash, different heroes clash, and how those unique interactions play out. Rather than you know which Reaper gets the ult the faster and just like runs into your team and kills you all, like that just like wasn't fun. It was like it's, it's stifling. Um, even if you win games, you're just like well like. We know why we won. I mean, our Reaper like did more, and we killed your whole team faster. Uh, but it just wasn't... Uh, it, it limited the strategic space. And for me as a captain, I would say that's the most enjoyable part of the game, is that uh, delving into the strategic depths.
0: The problem-solving aspect of it. Ben, what do you think, man? What do you think about the current well, meta?
2: It's in such a good spot. I mean, it's never actually been this free-flowing, this free-form <laughs> before. Um because if you look at the meta, it's it's easy to say like the biggest change is that we've seen uh, these three DPS uh, dive comps, a lot more focus on uh, Genjis and Ferras and Tracers than ever before. But you guys proved that quad tank is actually still viable in this meta too. So you can do triple tank, you can do quad tank, you can do three DPS, you can do two, two, two. You can throw Widowmakers in there. It basically seems like, you know, on defense, we're seeing a little bit more Sumetra. We're seeing a little bit more Torb. We're seeing a little bit more uh, uh, of those types of things. Uh, so it, it honestly feels like anything is viable. There are only a few characters which aren't fitting into the meta at all right now, which has been the case now for a really long time. But right now, like it's the impossible. DPS meta is wide good. open. Like tank meta is wide open. We're even seeing a little bit more flexibility uh, with support. Obviously, when you've got Pharah, it makes Mercy a lot more viable as well. So we're seeing a little bit more Mercy. Uh, Pharah Mercy is really hard to kill. So sometimes you see Zenyatta for the Discord orbs. So it, it's just wide open right now. And there's really no one strategy, as you mentioned, Jake. And that's a great thing.
0: Yeah, I'll go on record and say, I, I think the meta right now is the best it's ever been in Overwatch. From the standpoint of play, players, from the standpoint of spectators too. This is probably the best spectating experience I've had. I mean, not necessarily like, spectator mode and say like that, but just as a player, just seeing the strategy, seeing, you know, what, what highest level competitive Overwatch uh, was meant to be. See, I've been able to see that in the last month and a half or so. And, um, I mean, Apex is a perfect example. I think some of the recent matches is, like, you're seeing teams just free-flowing, changing characters, literally as encountering constantly during games. And we're not talking about after, like, maybe one or two two. um, uh, Exchanges and it's like oh okay I guess we should change no it's like instant free flowing changes like and no no indecisiveness there and it's like awesome to watch because you literally see the gambit of everything being thrown out there in a single game the widows in one game tracers you know being a constant in a lot of games and the Genji to Genji or McCree to counter that you know that just you're just constantly seeing that that type of um, you know just strategic moves and it's it's like awesome to see. And um, I hope they don't get into this mode where they feel like they have to make every character viable. You know, kind of like what you were saying there, Ben. Because if they do get into that, then we get into (laughs) possible patch changes like uh, that are uh, being released today. Where, you know, Bastion was obviously a, uh, a character that has not seen that much play. You know, maybe here and there it popped up on... I don't know Ilios. You know, C9 ran it like months ago. Every once in a while, on some, of you know, just one of the maps, and and it, it would just pop up every so often. But for the most part, that wasn't played at all, right? And I feel like they're trying to make Bastion um, uh, s- something that's viable, and maybe it, this is like an overreaction to the whole yeah, they, triple they tank. Super- four tank exactly so uh why don't we talk about the patch this these patches are things that we've definitely at least most of the things we've talked about with the ptr patches but this is going live today and you know there are definitely some things that a lot of us didn't expect would actually make it in and it's actually out there now in in the wild and the you know competitive Overwatch Apex, you know, Final Eight are going to have to be dealing with it. Even Carbon Series that Jake's gonna be playing in tonight. Um, I don't know, maybe not as soon as tonight, but definitely in a week or so. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing Bastion like in every single game. So, um, what? So should we just, go, just, through just, just go through it? Bastion. You want yeah, to just go through it? You want to start exactly. with Bastion? Let's just start with Bastion. I mean, okay. We okay. talked about most yeah. of these
2: changes because um, this is something we've talked about on the show before. Basically, everything that was in the PTR just went to live. I I I might be missing something. There's yeah. never
1: been a change that's gone to the PTR that hasn't made it to live. Never. Yeah, yeah, pretty much yeah.
0: everything. You know, the
1: they last data to test balance, they only use it for for like bugs,
0: which well, they, yeah. <laughs>
2: but, well, yeah. The, well, there's another talking point there, exactly, but let's yeah. go go through this first. Jake, you made a bold claim before we started the show. You think Bastion's totally broken?
1: I think Bastion is a permanent pick. I don't think you're going to see a game <laughs> without him unless wow. you see the team losing without him. Because I actually think they just broke the character. I mean. The funny thing is, I actually love like all the changes, with the exception of the ironclad passive. I think that it's a game-breaking passive, and I think it makes the game like really unfun because of like what it, the kind of play that it's going to motivate. Um, but I also think that the buffs to recon mode make the character itself like uh, really wide open, really viable um one thing is they they you know radically decrease the spread on recon 25 percent. that's a massive massive spread decrease that's a very accurate 25 bullet. it basically
2: basically makes his gun like 76 right actually he
1: does better. more damage than it's than better 76. yeah slightly lower rounds per second um so it's like the dps is, is a slightly lower value than a soldier 76 but considering it's a recon mode bastion with like 100 armor on 76 it's but like it makes the character i mean the characters you know hitbox is bigger there's some intangibles there um but the self-repair you know there's a lot of factors now where it's you know a recon mode bastion is is a genuinely viable like fighting dps hero you don't even need to go into the turret form to make the hero good um, which is huge because before recon bastion is like try not to die while you get into the spot that you want to set up on the turret that's like the purpose of the, of the um yeah. Of that that mode, right? You're like you're 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 only picking Bastion to go into turret form, and you know you're still only picking Bastion to go into turret form. Like with the changes, uh, it's just that they have buffed every aspect of the character essentially. Um, I mean, there's a couple <laughs> slight nerfs, like taking away headshots, but on on sentry mode. But that's that's an extremely small change when you consider yeah. that like a huge part of the utility Bastion is just breaking shields, and he's just better at that. He's just, he's like like there's no yeah. like he didn't get any worse at that. He just got a lot lot better at that. You turn into the turret much faster you have 0.5 seconds less to turn into the turret form which is the most vulnerable stage of bastion before it was 1.5 seconds now it's just one that's that's huge you can jump turn into turret form in the air and while you hit the ground you're firing I mean that's that's very very fast. Yeah, it's, and it's very very dangerous.
0: It's crazy fast, and I mean definitely Bastion got the Diva oh. <laughs> a treatment, you know this this uh, patch. But let's talk about the Ironclad because you brought that up first. And just for folks that are listening that don't know exactly what that is, that's basically Bastion takes thirty five percent less damage while in Sentry or Tank. Chris, actually.
2: Chris, you need to show the the GIF if you have it.
0: Oh, let me get it. Let me get it. <laughs>
2: oh, if you have
0: it, Yeah, there's, so there are a bunch crazy. of...
2: I think they clearly illustrate the
1: problem in yeah,
0: some ways. There's a bunch of GIFs that are floating around, uh, different scenarios where this is um, at its worst, you know, or just showing, like, how powerful it is. Where's that GIF? Uh, where'd you send it to me? You sent it to me, right? Uh, oh, no, no, somebody I,
2: tweeted it I, to I, me. Somebody tweeted yeah, it to me. me it. But, uh, yeah, I think it's on Reddit. But I guess we, we will have a lot of audio listeners as well, but... Yeah
0: why don't you explain it so while i I'll find
2: it go ahead and spoil it before we have it up on stream basically bastion in sentry mode while healing out heals being in the dead center of a hanzo dragon ultimate <laughs> you can stand in the middle of a hanzo ult and out heal it
1: you actually drop not to even out heal one, it one like... while you're healing it <laughs> you drop to about 180 hp before the end of the dragon does about 100 damage to you (laughs)
0: This (laughs) is 100 damage it's
1: cool that's cool that's an ultimate that goes through walls and is supposed to like one shot things that are standing still the whole point of the ultimate is to kill things that aren't moving it's supposed to be like bastion a counter to extreme turtle strategies but now it doesn't work
2: which is you know unlucky honestly so if a hanzo alt can't kill a bastion what can another bastion
0: Another but, Yeah, backwards. I mean, you were, you were even saying Deadeye, right? <laughs> we were even talking about the example with Deadeye. Why don't you explain that?
1: Yeah, so with the nano boost on, right, which which you guys should know, so the, the Ironclad passive is a 35% damage resist, and the nano boost passive is a 50% damage resist on top of the 50% damage. Oh just, so weirdly, you know, like in a lot of games, these would be multiplicative. So I, you're taking 50% of the actual damage, uh, from your nano because you have nano boost on, and then of that 50% damage, so say so you took 100, you then then you would actually take 50, and then that 50 damage normally in a lot of games would be reduced by 35%. Um, so, you know, and, and that's, that's multiplicative damage, it would be the 35% applied to the 50 uh, damage, but but in, in this game, they're additive damage resistance, so your effective damage resistance is 85% with a nano boost in turret form, which you can imagine that's a very high number. A couple instances of you know you might think okay well then maybe since Bastion can heal so fast we need to use burst damage to kill him. Well, uh, it turns out that it, with Nano Boost, a fully charged Dead Eye does 250 damage to the Bastion, and that's a <laughs> six-second channel staring at a Bastion. He, he can break the Rhine Shield in like three seconds, so I don't know how you're going to channel a Dead Eye looking at him for six. But you know whatever. So let's say you can, you, you sleep him. And you do a, it's like the it's like the Holly or like the Halloween brawl where you sleep the boss and then you hit a full charge Nano deadeye but it doesn't kill him. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's freaking. It's so surprising. Crazy. It's a little bit wow
2: wow that's a that's an interesting game mechanic.
0: I can't uh, find the so. GIF for some reason. I, don't, I I thought somebody tweeted it to me but I don't I, remember
2: where <laughs> where it came from either.
0: Did I tweet uh, it to you?
2: No, I, I think I saw it on Discord or something. Okay. Yeah, it was
0: Discord. Uh, I'll have to find it later and, and put it in the notes and then you guys can check it out later. Let me see. Oh, actually no. Uh, Jake just sent. Here it is. Okay, you guys see it? No, oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> oh my god! Look at that. I mean, he's like at full health. Wait, no, no, he's not. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. drops like his he, armor like is almost health.
1: depleted at the end of the dragon, I'm like because <laughs> it does very slightly more damage per second oh than you're healing, god. but That's you know, not healing. enough to kill you because it only lasts for a few seconds.
0: Okay. Obviously, something wrong with that. I mean, and what sucks is like you know we I just talked about how the meta's in such a beautiful state right now, and this is just literally going to destroy that. Um, you know whether it, it's still I interesting in some Bastion. way, yeah. I mean, or not, but whatever it is, you're it's going to homogenize at least the Bastion part of it. At least that's what Jake. I think what we're anticipating. Maybe I'm
1: over-predicting it, but I think the real problem with the meta where Bastion is like a really key pick is is that like let's say on a cough map, let's say you're running bastions on cough map. Mm-hmm. So the mid fight is probably gonna be really interesting because it's like, how does each bastion now play the other, you know, there's like, and like, how does the team support them? And how, how does that whole situation play out? There's like a lot of nuance there and, th- and that could be fun. Um, the problem is that when you're pushing back into a mid, inevitably you're pushing back into a turret bastion, which is like, it's not fun. And unless, I mean, you could switch off bastion and go to one of his counters, but if he has 35% damage resistance and a constant, you know, pocket by Ana, you know good luck with that and then when you really do and you commit all your resources to get on that bastion and he gets a nano boost on him he's immortal he's not you're not going to kill him it's not it's just not possible like I don't, know. <laughs> I don't i don't know how it happens if you can full charge Deadeye is basically something that is like it's never going to happen in the game you're never actually going to get a full charge dead eye right. on someone because they'll right. they'll leave like, they'll get out of your line of sight but bastion doesn't have to bastion could just stand there and you just take it
0: that's crazy. He can, he can just be shooting the entire time. Yeah, he can so shoot he, you. He can just
1: kill you exactly. before you
0: get it off. <laughs> he can kill you, or he can just be killing everybody, and knowing that he's not going to even die from that thing. So, it's um, it's obviously broken. So it's very surprising that even came even made it out of the PTR. It makes you wonder if they there's just even enough data to to really, you know, make that apparent. But thirty five percent. I mean, I feel like these are kind of the kind of things that they should just know would happen. So either they yeah. want this kind of thing to happen, or I mean, they somehow missed it. But 35% is so large. If it was like 15%, you know, it still would have been a nice addition to Bastion. still probably would have made Bastion, you know, stronger and possibly uh, played a lot. But 35 is just to the point where it's absurdity. <laughs> like I-, I think this
1: patch, more than any other, highlights something that I think is a key flaw in Blizzard's balancing strategy, which is I think that you should, you know, as much as possible, you should do incremental statistical changes to heroes. Um, when you they do though, right? When you, yeah, yeah. When you make things like when you when you when you rework things and and you make things work in a fundamentally different way, I think it's a really big mistake to pair those with like statistical changes. Um, for instance, I really like a lot of the changes on Bastion. I think that the being able to repair while taking damage is a really cool change. Being able to repair while mm-hmm. moving is a really cool change. Yeah, those are great. Um, they do open up and maybe even even turning in a turret farm faster is a cool, awesome change. I actually think that if they just took away the thirty five percent and made it either a much smaller value or took it away entirely and gave Bastion maybe a little more armor or something, I think this would be a great patch because I think it would open Bastion up, but maybe but not you know put him to this you know incredibly insane un, uh, immortal you know turret god status.
0: Well, not shake is the real issue. Not shake status quo either. It'd just be another option to add to, to <laughs> you know to add to. This this nice uh, meta that we have.
1: Yeah, yeah, maybe there's a situation where she... oh wow we ha- it's like oh, this it makes sense right we have the nano boost and no other ults let's let's pull out the bastion because we're ready to like set him up on cart and and like nano him or, or like we need the bastion because we think we can get a defense here like yeah. you know it opens up a lot more options to pick bastion in a situation in which you know he's going to be good but then if you buff him too far you just say oh like you know what you know what situation is going to be good for bastion every situation like <laughs> we're never getting off him right which. I, I just don't think it's fun I just don't think any character being that way I don't think it was fun when Reaper was that way and I think Bastion as a hero is sort of like an anti-fun hero you might say yeah. uh, because it, it just basically punishes anything other than sitting in a tiny death ball behind a Ryan shield, um, which you know is, is not a bad way to play the game but if you have no other choice is a really you know poor balance decision I think
2: what, what, um, there were a couple other changes here yeah definitely going to go through patch. the question here uh, all of which we've talked about, I think, previous show, last think- show or the one before. Uh, but I did want to get Jake's take on some of these. I think, obviously, eyeballing these, some of these are substantial, some of these are more more subtle. Uh, for me, the Roadhog one is by far the most interesting, though. Um, basically, if you're, if you're not caught up just yet, they increased the cooldown on his hook from six to eight seconds, which is something we've been hoping for for a really long time. Uh, and they also gave him a slight nerf, I guess. Uh, in that targets are now pulled 3.5 meters away from Roadhog instead of two meters. However, they gave him a very substantial buff with the scrap gun. Now the spread has been decreased by 20%. So you're actually going to be able to do substantial amounts of damage to uh, to enemies in the immediate vicinity. If you don't have a hook, his gun is going to be much more accurate uh, and while there is the cooldown increase and and the meet and and the distance uh, increase as well, I think a lot of people are assuming this is going to be kind of a buff to Roadhog. What do you think, Jake? I think this is. I like the change
1: in that. I think it's a very significant buff to the highest level of play, and at the same time, a significant nerf to like the lower and medium tiers of play and like competitive ranked play, um, because the gun is something that relies on. You know, very precise aiming, especially the right click. You know, like leading targets, at at, and you have to be at a very, very precise range to maximize damage. Um, The same goes for left click, right? They're very, they're very like nuanced. It's a very nuanced hero because you're aiming at like you might, you might like three different ranges simultaneously, uh, which has always made the hero really rich and fun. Um, And I think it, you know, it'll it'll add to that aspect of the hero while like maybe minimizing or, or slightly decreasing the the uh you know crucial primary importance of the hook which you know has always been the story of roadhog in the past um i think the thing with the hook that's weird is you're given that the spread is lower is smaller that you're still going to be able to one shot i think the idea is you're still gonna be able to one shot you know a squishy target right like a support you, you should you should be able to one shot them right they shouldn't they shouldn't survive a hook that, that's that's something i think blizzard is very comfortable with but it was a little strange that you could deal 350 damage to a and just like almost evaporate her, or or when when you hook another Roadhog and you deal four hundred to his face, it's you know it makes the it makes the, the matchup feel extremely swingy. Um, so I think this should alleviate that a little bit, it make make Roadhog less of a tank buster, also a support killer, also a flanker killer. You know, and like he kind of was a little bit too much of a jack of all trades. But I think the gun is now extremely powerful, and if used right, is going to just turn this hero into a standard DPS, just for his ability to output damage at, at a much more uh, significant range.
2: But good changes overall, I
1: think. I think it'll change his playstyle, but I think it's a buff. Honestly, I think at the end of the day, for the for the top players, this is going to be a significant buff because the hook cooldown is is the only real nerf here. Um, the nerf to the hook is is significant, but it also made Roadhog have to be played much more passively because you know if you get hooked by the enemy Roadhog, you're you're basically dead. Like you like their team only had to do you know 150 damage to the Roadhog on top of you know your Roadhog's hook. So you had to play Roadhog more passively. You were very, very scared of being hooked by an enemy hog. Now that the hog is only going to do maybe, you know, 300, 350 damage to you, you have a lot more potential to counter hook and kill them. So Roadhog can be played a little bit more aggressively. So I think, honestly, this is going to open things up in a big way for the hero. It's going to be a little more versatile, um, which I really do like. But I think in the net, it's going to be a big buff.
0: We'll see so definitely one of the characters you've been playing recently, so it'll be yeah. g- it'll be great to see you, you uh, take yeah, advantage how, of. It. How
2: else are you going to kill the bastions other than a hook? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rodogs. I think be a part of the meta.
1: I think I think May would work. Although so I just think May is. I'm really sad that didn't buff May. I think May's irrelevant right now with the exception of the maps where she's broken Even on
2: defense really, which
1: I think it's an unhealthy situation because right now you only run may on the maps where she's like busted basically. And like, you know, the wall is some insane ability that can completely separate a team, which is like, you know, you have maps like Hanamura, um, where it's in like, ball. wow, this, this hero is incredible. It can just lock off any one choke. That's like a huge ability. Um, I think the problem is increasing the relevance of bastion. You know, you can break a may wall in about half a second with the bastion, which is gonna be an implicit nerf to Mei if that hero is picked more. Um, and I think Mei as a hero has felt really, really weak with the exception of those niche scenarios, which I honestly think are map design flaws more so than there are situations in which Mei is a good hero. I don't think it's fun to have a hero that like, can, you know, that has like an, I don't think the ice wall is like a very uh, a fun or interactive ability in in maps like hanamura where it basically forces you to run an entirely different team composition or push in an entirely different manner as a response to me yeah um that's a so the value you're getting is just by denying the enemy's um game plan which i I mean i guess is valuable but i don't think it's a great healthy place for the hero to be i had a lot of fun on her when she was more viable because the ult built faster now i don't think that's the way you need to buff her but I think it's be it'd be, like Bastion, I think she deserves a buff that makes her more flexible and, and more viable in different situations.
0: Yeah, I feel um, like her and Sombra are in the same boat here, where mm-hmm. it's just like it's very heavy in the value of their ults, and the rest of it is just a bit weak now compared to everything else.
2: I, I still want to see the May buff that people theorized when she was first launched, where you just uh, spray the ice in front of you and then you can slide.
0: That would just faster. That would so be the, you, like, I, I like would ice girl, basically. That would <laughs> be
2: so much fun, man. One, <laughs> one be, can dream. One can dream.
0: That would be pretty sweet,
2: Jeff Goodman. If you're watching the show,
0: <laughs> for may So I uh, I noticed uh, a couple other things. I just want to uh, mention um, one thing is just concerning consoles. I know we don't play consoles, but it's kind of interesting that they added damage for Torbjorn's turret and sentries uh, and Symmetra's sentries. Given that, I thought turrets were a well, problem they, they at nerf, one point. They, they're I know. mitigating a pass nerf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. They're, they're, so mitigating, they're
1: mitigating a nerf that was originally yeah. applied because apparently it was a little too strong.
0: Yeah, so um, now Because the
1: Torbjorn yeah. turret was like very, very overpowered on console because auto-aim is much better than controllers, whereas auto-aim in PC isn't yeah. actually that much better than a mouse.
0: Um, right, right. So the player base so, uh, must have gotten better. <laughs> so now yeah, can, I, I think can that's reverted. part of it also. <laughs> yeah, it's good to see that they reverted. Uh, one other thing I noticed, um, which I, I guess I didn't catch before... Was uh, the respawn delay? Did you guys see that?
2: Yeah. So this is, I, so this was snuck right. in.
0: I did not is, even know about this. Yeah. Was this even in PTR? No, it was. I Iconvol- can. I know. I When we talked about it, was there? But not respawn delay.
1: This is this is the change of the patch. And if there's one thing that they keep, th- this is the best change. The I think this is. Okay, let's
0: talk I about I think
1: it. you have assault maps absolutely plagued by a situation in which first point is almost impossible to defend, and second point is almost impossible to attack, and it's like, it breeds draws. Like, draws are far more likely on the map, and a draw is not satisfying, right? I don't think you should have game design that promotes draws. Uh, I would rather play, like, two full rounds of offense and defense on Temple of Anubis, than one round of offense in which we take point A and fail to take point two, and then one round of defense in which we lose point A, and then, you know, (laughs) hold point B. Like, it's like not, it it doesn't, it doesn't feel entertaining to hold one point for six minutes. Uh, uh, So I think this kind of changes, opens things up for attackers. It lets you, you know, burst three heroes and then go on to win the fight because the defenders have slow spawns. So it makes, it makes the attacking, the attackers basically have a much easier time closing out maps, which I think is a healthy thing for the game, especially when situation in which over time, all it is, is just like a replay of the map. So, you you know, there's no, uh, um, you're just trying to structure your advantage. You're trying to give yourself the maximum advantage going into round two, rather than like genuinely expecting that like holding point two is always possible, which it really is. And I don't think it's very fun.
2: Well, let's just read this out in, in its entirety here. Uh, so everyone understands. And I'll, I'll put a caveat here that there's a lot of details missing that I don't think we actually know yet. We need to do some testing to learn what this actually means. But here, here's what it says in the patch notes. When attackers outnumber defenders while taking control point on assault, escort and assault, assault, escort hybrid maps the defender's respawn time will slowly increase until it hits a maximum value or the defense manages to gain the upper hand so basically what this means and everyone knows this situation you've all been in it dozens of times i'm sure where you're on second point Hanamura, you get two or three kills to open things up but there's a may that pops onto the on the field she ice blocks then she ice walls And slowly but surely, Divas, Tracers, Winstons, whatever, make their way back into the point. So even though the attacking team is up one, two, three players, uh, they can't finish it out because the stall continues and continues and continues. And if anyone on the attacking team dies in the course of that fight, then there's actually a good chance that defense is able to respawn and retake the advantage. In this scenario, if you get those two or three kills to start off, even if they're able to delay a little bit, like let's say a may gets onto the point. If they're down, if they have less people on the point than the attacking team, it'll make the defenders respond more slowly so that in theory, you shouldn't have these situations where you go full, uh, as I, as we've always been calling it actually, since the beginning stall, where you go full stall comp, tracer, <laughs> yeah. diva may that just, in theory shouldn't work anymore. And so glad that they're addressing this, uh, everyone's been talking about this for the longest time uh but I can't help but feel like this is this feels like a band-aid. I mean, if it works Absolutely. it works and yeah. I'm totally happy, but this is like not something that's easy to understand, not something that's easy going to be easy to commentate uh like as a commentator, not something that is going to be like super easy to keep in your head. Like you're going to have to keep a tally how many people have been on or off the point for how long. So this is this very much feels like a band-aid uh but a welcome well, band-aid.
0: It it's one of those things where you're going to hope that the audience or the spectators, the viewers are just eventually just educated about it. So you don't have to explain it constantly, right? Yeah, I don't think we're going to need to. It will will definitely be weird. The only thing that worries about me, and I agree, this is a good band-aid for um, the fact that these maps exist and they actually are in tournament play and they are being picked. But I just hope that doesn't mean they're going to make more of these maps because it's always just been a design like they should not have made these th- this type of game format, or at least designed the maps to be in this way. And um, I was hoping they would get away from that and just come up with something new. And, and you know, eventually we would just do away with two CPs. But this could be a sign that there's, you know, they they think that two CPs still very good and very viable for competitive play, and they want to make more of them. So, how, like, I mean, how would you feel it about shows that? Shows in here? that
1: Blizzard forces tournaments over $10,000 that are partnering with Blizzard to not do map drafting because when they do do map drafting, no one ever plays 2CP because right. no one likes it and it's it's not fun. It you know, breeds draws. When you go to a 2CP, I'm like, my team is literally hoping to draw so that we can go play a best of one on a COD because we feel much more confident
0: there. <laughs> Let's see. Because that's not like how that, it There's actually going
1: to be player interaction. You know, like that's, yeah. it's the opposite of, of what they want in their game. And I think the problem, I mean, the problem spawn timers has is is a crucial thing in those maps though. The fact that your offense and defense spawns are basically the same while your defenders are, you know, two seconds from getting to the point and the attackers are 15 seconds from getting to the point. That's the real problem, right? Because now you're in a situation where unless you, you need to wipe the team, like you need to crush the team in the current path. I mean, now, now, before this went live, you needed to absolutely annihilate the defenders and you literally had, you had to do it in like five seconds because <laughs> yep. if you didn't start getting that cap pressure on, you're about to get delayed for 30 seconds. And, and even when, even if you do finally cap the point, it's going to be like three minutes after your initial push. That's uh, not fun. It's not like entertaining to like have a may sitting a nice block in the corner. You're like, all right, well time this pin perfectly so we can kill the may as fast as possible. Like just cause that w- that was like the min maxing strategy. And that's what you had to do. It wasn't an entertaining gameplay element, not for the may, not for the defender or not for the attackers. Um, and I think spawn timers begin to address this problem. And I like the way they've approached it because it, it, it's like a it punishes your team for losing players quickly during the team fights. So you can't just have your one may stay alive and get an 11 second delay with the max time ice wall and the max time ice block. You know, it, it eliminates sort of the absurdity of that kind of strategy that would just buy your team like two entire spawn ways, um, which I think was a really big issue and, and not yeah. fun to play with or against. So I I like what they've done, although obviously, like you guys are saying, there's more details. I need to test this, I need to look at how how long are the spawns when you're up six zero, five one, six one. You know, like what what what's the player difference? How does that translate? What is the maximum value? What's the maximum advantage? Like maybe the maximum spawn increase is is capped at a plus three player advantage, maybe plus four. You know, and knowing those figures is gonna be a crucial element of Of playing these maps and how you choose to attack them right because maybe you're looking you're looking like let's say the maximum is three players you're looking for a a three-man grab and to kill those three players really quickly to maximize their spawn time yeah but depending on what that number is it's going to change how you play so i don't like that they did it in this opaque way i really wish they had actually just gone into the detail in the patch notes to be like look okay x player differential is gonna is gonna imply you know you know multiplied by you know why number of seconds? Is gonna <laughs> it's increase like this, this crazy
0: freaking calculus. They would have stuff. to. I mean, they have it's to. Like, but but like, yeah. I wish
1: they would just do it instead of making like players go out and like literally just like get twelve people on a server in order to test this.
0: Well, the it's going to be very difficult to get the right number because you don't want the defenders to feel like they're they're being cheated now either. So, you know, it's like this whole distance versus time thing and, and having to figure out how to make that even. Um, because because situation it, it, in which 2CP is impossible to hold second. That's what I mean. Like so, four so, rounds I mean of we, we haven't it's, we it's even talked either. about the first point. What about the first yeah, point? Yeah, I mean, this
2: makes I mean, the first point even yeah. harder to hold, right?
0: Yeah, so it, you know, like the, the attacker has advantage on the first point. So it's like, what, I mean, we, we, you didn't do anything to help that out. So it's a, it's a aid I think overall it will be better, but it is not elegant at all. You know, and, and for the most part in this game, Overwatch, many things have been very, you know, like design wise, I, I feel like are elegantly done. And, you know, maybe it takes a few iterations to finally get there, but this one is definitely not, you know, this one, you just need to redesign maps, you know, like, and maybe even do away with the the game format. So I mean, um, I
1: think if you made forward spawns in two CP, like I.E. for the defenders, yeah, they, exactly. they, spawn forward. they just need to do that. You just, like, you just plug a forward spawn, some corner of the of map. They do, it, they it, do would, it. on payload. It would, it would like, make first point much more defensible. And I think I think I would have loved to see this change in concert with a forward spawn for for first change. Yeah. Just to make it less yep. of a, a situation in which you're just like, well, how much time can we bleed on first point because we know we're going to lose it. Like not, not, you know, like, like, you know, and when your team fails to push first on 2CP, it means you're, you're playing, you're getting completely outplayed. Like, like there's no other two ways about it. My team got first held on Anubis last night against LG. They did a great job and we got, you know, obliterated this outplayed us every fight, but it took that level of outplay to get the first hold. Like they had to play really, really well. And we had to make a lot of mistakes in order to achieve that. And I don't think that's a healthy way for the map to go uh, or for maps in general to, to, to yeah. go. Cause I, I mean, that kind of outplay is, is rare and I don't think it should be so rare, right? Like you should feel yes. like it's actually possible to achieve that and not in like a one in a hundred situation, but maybe like, oh, one in five, one in 10. We just need to play pretty well to achieve this. Yeah. Um, but making it feel impossible it doesn't feel fun. It doesn't feel interactive. And, and especially in a rank setting where not everyone is like 100% trying to win all the time. Um, you know, people are like, oh, whatever. Give up on first. we you know, we're holding second. Know, no, you know, there's, there's
0: no scenario where it wouldn't apply, <laughs> in my opinion. Whether it's <laughs> casual or it's whatever, you know, it, I, I think it's good just to make even maps. And it might be hard for them to add another starting spot, you know, spawn point on on these maps currently. I don't know if it is or not, but yeah, I feel like that would be more of a. I feel like a, an elegant add, and and then maybe tweak this a tiny bit, versus just trying to rely purely on this, where this is even one side. This isn't even and fair either. So um, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see. I'll, I'll, I'll be curious to see what you guys, you know, end up deciding after maybe a week or two, you know, how, how it's uh, been, or how it's turning out. But the fact that it, it is transparent, I'm sure folks on Reddit will eventually figure out exactly the numbers. So we'll probably, figure, we'll have those numbers soon. Yeah, but, they, they
2: probably um, already did. Yeah, You think they already That's did?
0: They okay. take, I mean, it would take 10 minutes,
1: <laughs> okay. but it's just something that people are gonna have to do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, well, I don't think there's anything else I wanted to bring up uh, unless there is something, Ben, that you wanted to talk about or even you, Jake, that you, you know of that's... I love that I can watch It's a small thing, but I, yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I felt like
1: that was like, that was the problem with I I mean, my team actually employed a strategy where we would repeatedly dry fight without pushing the cart past 12 meters because 12, <laughs> on last because wow. 12 meters is the point at which the door closes. So you push it to 10 meters and then you run in and you die. And then you, you, you don't ever push the cart again. You just keep running in and fighting until you have six ults and then you crush then you them like you wipe an them fight. and then you yeah. and then you push it all the way because you can hold them and spawn and you have, like you set up so you have enough ults to win two successive fights and you don't close the door until you have enough ults to guarantee two fights uh, uh, because if you let that door close you have the you run the very very significant chance of losing every fight from there on out yeah. because it's incredibly hard to push into without extreme coordination the the perfect <laughs> ults the enemy team making mistakes i can always too easy to hold last and i'm really glad that they this is like the right change to make i think too
0: yeah that's a great adaptation though. Agreed. <laughs> like sitting there waiting for yeah until you guys you got a full push there that's so cool um okay well anyways let's move on and let's talk about uh just some of the news that's been going around obviously there's been a lot of just clues being um on a second i just changed the title real quick uh the new key- clues in terms of the lore in terms of you know what's being, what's uh, related to the new hero. And some of the things have been added to Numbani, particularly. So the starting spawn for Numbani has uh, the OR-15 being smashed into a wall, like a big crater style, and then it falls to the ground. And there's been a lot of pictures and gifs around the community um, just taking a look at that. And also, um, on the payload, where there used to be Doomfist's glove, or his, his fist, uh, that glass is broken now, and the fist is gone. So there's... Definitely some things going on there. It's still clearly not Doomfist, guys, right? But there's something related to Doomfist, I believe. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I mean, we talked about this all last week. The only new news beyond the uh, in-game changes, they tweeted uh, a notepad, uh, one of Effie's notepads, uh, which has a couple more clues. And particularly, it has uh, a paint color... uh, uh, I guess Uh, so some people are connecting the the colors that she has here the paint colors to some uh, some art that has been released so that there's some theories about who this might be uh, very very unclear at this point in time but uh, we we do have some thoughts as to who the character might be because we do have some art with uh, Omnic looking robot that has horns or at least something that looks like horns and also has that same p- color palette. So we have oh clues, God. but we, we still have no idea.
0: You gotta love the community. Uh, yeah. And we know for from Jeff Kaplan accepting the 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 Dice Awards this this past week too that it's not the spider tank too that people were were thinking or the spider robot that's in that one painting drawing. So it's not that. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely whatever Ben's talking about here, or at least the the newest the newest conspiracy is that it's something related to that jake any thoughts on this or you're just like ah, i'm just gonna wait till it comes out
1: <laughs> uh partially that partially i think there's a possibility that they might drop two heroes at once
0: yeah um, oh man that'd be awesome they specifically
1: said that i saw some posts on the battle.net forums that was said like 24 is not what you expect it to be and that was at the point where oh, everyone was like it's Doomfist. it's obviously that's Doomfist. True.
0: That's like
1: true. every like that was the point where the the prevailing thing was like okay obviously Doomfist is is next year like they're, they're doing all this stuff about it um and, uh, you know, the Reddit detectives have, like, found, like, the Twitter of the woman who voices a couple characters and also voices Athena, like, the announcer, um, doing more, like, voice acting work. Unclear for who, but it, it, people theorize that there might be a character, like, a playable Athena of some sort, or, like, the announcer, some sort of an uh, omnic, I don't know, probably, like, a support or something. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what role Um you know, I'm, and and I think that, that there's been some stuff like like I feel like the Nibani thing is sort of an obvious tease at Doomfist. Like, what else could you know <laughs> smash that big hole in the wall? But Doom, you know, it's like I don't know what Doomfist does, but you know, punching big holes in walls seems like a plausible thing.
0: So uh, you think twenty five is Doomfist, basically? Maybe <laughs> that's that's, you're that's, that's a, I think that's a possibility. <laughs>
1: I I think there's a possibility they might drop two at once. Um, okay. I kind of uh, hoped that they would come today with the, with the competitive patch. I feel like that would be super fun to like start a new season of competitive with new heroes. I was like, maybe the Bastion whoa. changes will make sense because there will be new heroes and they'll like counter Bastion and like, it'll be fine because they're trying to make Bastion stronger so he's not completely irrelevant. But tragically, no, it's just Bastion.
0: <laughs> just um,
1: so the Omnic okay. crisis begins. We'll see if there's any new heroes to save us. Uh, I'm, personally ho- I'm, I'm personally hoping for something really impactful. I love it when they drop new heroes that are interesting and fun. I think Sombra and Ana have been have really impressed me. While I didn't think Sombra was in the best spot balance-wise, I think they've done really good stuff to her. Um, I like the hack cooldown decrease, the hack speed increase. Um, I really like the changes they made to the character, and I feel like she's an awesome, cool character that shakes things up, even though she's maybe a little weaker than some people would have hoped. Uh, Ana as I think, again, a beautifully, beautifully designed character, incredibly high skill ceiling, so many options. It just completely has changed the game fundamentally, and in a way that I think is fun. Like, an Ana is... From a support player's perspective, playing Ana is, you know, they're absolutely no less skilled than playing, you know, the highest level DPS, just <laughs> right. just raw aim, right? And I love that they brought that to the support class. So I'm really honestly uh, optimistic. I think Blizzard has done an amazing job with all the heroes they dropped so far. I think Ana is obviously a little too strong right now. Um, on a little too weak. But at the end of the day, I think they've had, they've had, they have really great game design. And it's just a matter of sort of like finding that, that uh, Goldilocks zone where you can tweak the heroes to be, you know, just strong enough, but not too strong. And I hope that they continue to do that with the new heroes. Uh, I honestly have high expectations. I think Blizzard has proven that they're really ready to bring new characters into this rich game and, and, you know, make it just better.
0: Yeah, great. Well said, man. Um, Okay, well, why don't we move on to the next bit of news, which was Nate Nanzer. Uh, He did an interview uh, in Korea, I believe, right? Yeah, in Korea. Yep, yep. Uh, And it was, uh, there's been a lot of transcripts that have been uh, translated. And I have the one on Reddit that I'm going to bring up here. Um but he answered a lot of questions about the Overwatch League. Obviously, lots of folks, you know, spraying him, peppering him with a lot of questions. Uh a lot of the answers are ones that we've known. I mean, a lot of the answers are the same ones he gave when he was actually on the show uh, a few months ago. But yep, anything yep. out anything that really stuck out to you, Ben, that that he said that was yeah. a little new? Yeah, uh, not
2: like you said, Chris, there wasn't a whole lot of new uh, content revealed here but it was still interesting to hear Nate's perspective on some of these questions particularly i thought this question well, uh, re, you know the the answer Nate gave was revealing uh, what are the realistic profit models to to sustain the ow league uh, i think this is a very important question for any new esport these days as this has been kind of an issue for riot's lcs the fact that they didn't actually get revenue into the you know the core concept of the of the league meant that the teams weren't making more money and so on and so forth so anyway i think this is a really important question and nate answers great content will be the key overwatch esports team is under the overwatch development team this i think we did know uh because we believe that in order to establish a successful esport we need a lot of support and changes from within the game itself uh this is why when the ow league starts we will add systems and that will support live viewing of esport matches within the game checking players' profiles uh, or view additional video content, so recaps and highlights and things like that, uh, which is fantastic to hear. That means that esports will likely be promoted very heavily within the game client itself. They're going to be creating content that will be there. And it said also it is through those quality content that that we will host regional and global sponsors. So they're going to integrate sponsors into this, and they will be sharing profits from ticket sales and broadcasting rights that that they're going to be selling Including merchandise as well uh, with the teams and players, um, so that means you know just extrapolating that if it's going to you know there he made a point to say that East OW League is going to be within the East or the development team, and he's also talking about broadcast broadcasts being within the client, ticket sales uh, and merchandising. You got to imagine at least some of this is going to be digital goods within the game as well. So you can kind of look mm-hmm. at the analogies of Dota Two, CS:GO, Smite, so on and so forth, having in-game purchases that can support the eventual league and all of that. Um and yeah, he and he ends the statement with saying that OW League is not simply a marketing strategy they're pursuing it uh with the goal of establishing an esports ecosystem uh, which is something to be frank not really done <laughs> currently in esports. Right. Like there's really the no one esport that has like a truly 100% sustainable business model right now. Um, so I like that this is a goal. It's a very lofty ambition, uh, but I, I definitely thought this was this was the quote uh, from this interview.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point too, because uh, there's another question here that asks if the OW League is an association or is an independent league, and you know that that kind of I think what people were wondering too is that whatever. type of league they set up or just even the structure of how they're going to set all this stuff up will it be more of like an umbrella for all blizzard titles or will this just be like a general more of a general esports organization that you know i guess other games could possibly leverage you know just whatever structure they have um so it's kind of interesting yeah it's definitely you know um good that their their focus is very independent of the IP itself you know the sales of the IP and I think that's really really good because that's always hindered design of a game and it still has an overlap because you know it's still a consumer product in the end right and they'll they'll still have to make those kind of um, decisions but um, you know there will come a time where uh, the the popularity of, e- of Overwatch as just a consumer game will go down and what continues the interest in overwatch is the esport aspect And you see that in some maybe some of the other games uh, a little bit more i mean there's still a lot of interest just from the same point of playing other games too but um, but you see other other big esports more in that state and i think when that that you know happens it'll be great to know that you know we're not just trying to sell p- copies of games guys we actually are making money off of you know this this entertainment aspect of the game and that's really really good uh any let's see anything else here i think that's about it though that i I felt like was a big yeah, thing that's
2: a, it's a good interview uh yeah, just solid. everyone should go
1: read it yeah, yeah. definitely read it i mean of course a lot of things are going to be you know vague or, or not really wanted to get into until you know yeah. the actual structure and, and specifics of the league are revealed um but everything we've heard so far i mean is is honestly good news i mean people were pretty i was pretty honestly uh surprised and maybe in a little bit of disbelief when they announced the brush league i was like are they, is that sustainable Can you <laughs> really have a city model for esports these are things that have never been done before um, but the more Blizzard says, the more I'm beginning to believe that this is something that they can accomplish. Um, no matter what happens, I mean, I'm going to be looking forward to participating in it, ideally in season one. Yeah. So, uh, that's, uh, it's going to be a big opportunity, especially for players. I think, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that really benefits players in terms of, you know, what they force in terms of contracts, uh, uh you know, like setting a standard for player treatment and, and what the life of an esports player is look like, what the careers are going to look like. Yeah. Um, and Blizzard has a lot of power in that regard. And uh, it seems all indicators are that they're going to be using it for the better, um, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe one last bit uh, that I did notice, and I forget which question answer it was, but it does sound like they're. I feel like it hasn't been said explicitly, but it feels like they are going to try to at least keep the existing teams together in some kind of way, or they're going to try. You know, they're going to try their best, not necessarily just mm-hmm. break them all up and do. Of course, not going to do a draft, but it, it's definitely not that you know, that end of the spectrum, it's going to be, I think, closer to the opposite end. And I think that's good. It's great for, you know, teams like yourself, you know, with Hammer. And I don't know if it's gonna be Hammer, you know, or if it's going to be like, you know, the New York Hammer, (laughs) the Hammer Esports team or whatever. But, um, you you know, it it does, I think that hopefully will help alleviate some of the players, you know, anxieties with uh, potentially breaking up and what they're doing in the means, you know, just for these months right now.
1: All I can say about that is uh, keep an eye on my Twitter for further announcements.
0: Oh,
1: Oh, oh, (laughs) Oh, yeah,
0: baby. Okay, all right, good stuff, man. I knew there was a reason why we picked you, come on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so next up we've got uh, another Chinese Overwatch League being announced from uh, Blizzard and Banana Culture partnering in this. Um, I don't know exactly what it's going to be called, but um, But the the premiere, just the China, China, yeah, China Overwatch Premiere Series is what it's called. And um, it's going to be a six hundred thousand dollar prize pool, which is wow! <laughs> biggest yet. That's huge. The biggest yet. Yeah, they just keep doubling. We just keep doubling the the pot. That's esports. Uh, yeah. How much is Apex? Like, how, how much is the prize pool for Apex? Do you guys want to say like two hundred? Okay, yeah. That's that. the beauty of Apex. Like we don't even care like how much the prize pool is. You know, it's, it's just it's like, the hype. It's also yeah, the international. Like anything international, anything global, it's just 000 amazing. Right? Yeah, one hundred seventy eight thousand. It's still quite a bit, but this is tripling it I mean
1: because that, that's the highest to date, I believe.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, there was a three hundred thousand tournament, right? At one. Point. Oh yeah. 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 So. Maybe back before my time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in typical Chinese fashion, they decided to go even bigger. You know, going double time. So it's gonna be six hundred thousand. It's gonna be pretty exciting. Um let's see, did they actually announce the teams? I I, let me see. Yeah, I I mean that that's the big question. Yeah, the biggest thing is. is Will this be
2: yet another tournament that pulls teams out of North America, out of Europe, into new regions? Is this something that's gonna just like Mm -hmm. more more stratify? Is that the right word? Uh just like split the scene up again because that's what ogn has really really done Mm -hmm. pulling some of the most famous talented teams away from their home regions to play in asia uh so i wonder i mean it's a pretty compelling argument i mean hammers like let's say you grad you know you graduated and you get an invite to this league it's like well there might you might be the best team like we don't know anything about China at all, and there's all this money on the line, like for the player's perspective, and you get to travel and experience new culture. That seems like a pretty good deal for you guys if, if you got the offer.
0: Would, would you go? <laughs> this is uh, even. Yes,
1: oh, yes, <laughs> man, dude. <laughs> he speaks
0: Chinese. speaks man. So I would love to, I would love to go to China. Oh look, my god, show. dude! Come uh, on, first. people. If you're watching this show, <laughs> you're, it, it, like uh, Banana Culture, if you're watching this show, Blizzard obviously too. Come on, it's gonna yeah, Find me out <laughs> exactly. It's going you, I mean, there's always one. I feel like there's always one slot that's for you know just um. I wouldn't say the lower tier team, but there's you know I, I we've we've had I guess that that spot flipped from for Fnatic I think it was one um it was reunited you know like in the very first Apex it's, um. Season, so you know, when I get hammer in there, I mean, that'd be awesome, it'd definitely be great.
1: Yeah, I mean, we just hit uh number five in the world last night.
2: Um, nice on Gosu,
1: and yeah, if we on Gosu, and if we uh, beat Immortals tonight, um, wait, let me, yeah, so if we beat Immortals tonight, um, we may, I mean, it depends on how many points. I, I don't actually know exactly how many points we'll win, um, but we might hop rogue, we might hop fusion girls, and maybe even get to top three global. Uh, so we're getting to be in a spot where we're no longer really that uh, tier two team, which is uh, you know it feels good, man, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll have to see tonight, though. Man, let's, let's see if we can perform.
0: <laughs> yeah, even more hype for tonight's matchup. <laughs> it's going to be great. Absolutely, the line. Yeah, let's move Although, on. I, I'm oh, looking
2: what? at the uh, the GoSu rankings. I haven't checked them out for a while. It says that Fusion Girls are the number three.
0: I know. I guess that's what you because said. they're what the they're
1: in, in, they compete in Australia, which don't yeah. you know, compete outside of that region. So yeah, um, they win, and because they're the best team in Australia, they win every single game. And they like have a, they have like on a twenty six game streak or something. Yeah, I yeah. would be interested to see how they would fare in an international competition. I'm,
2: I'm just, I don't know. Uh, I don't thinking, know. Maybe they're good, but it's thinking it is a thinking. It is definitely
1: a thinking. <laughs> it makes me question how Ghosty does these rankings. Um, but and Ghosty points in general. But whatever. I mean, if if we can, if we're better than them, then we'll keep winning games than they want. So.
0: Yeah we. We need to figure out a, a good rank. We need we need a ranking system, whether it's Ghosts or not. We need a ranking system that the tournaments and the events and Blizzard actually respect, adhere to, you know, use. And I think something like
1: the Overwatch League will be a boon in that regard. Well, I mean, oh, yeah, it would just absolutely. be it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. yeah.
1: Well, how'd you do last season, in the Overwatch League? It's like you know, like <laughs> that's how we did, That's how all the other tournaments exactly. are going to send out their invites, as if you know, oh, wow, you did this one in Overwatch League? Well, I guess you're that good at the, in, in, the, in the world right now. So. Right,
0: exactly. It'll be very, very clear. Uh, okay, well, let's get into some player news here. Uh, we've got some news from Team Liquid, and the first one is that Minstrel has left TL, and then he's, I guess, being replaced Assuming by Shatter? Presuming in Stardew Valley. Yeah, I know. He's so, a in Stardew Valley. Uh, Typical uh, Minstrel. Very
2: sarcastic guy, so that was like, Really, He's uh, been on the show it's before. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, so, Minstrel out, uh, Shatter in, makes a ton of sense, especially right now with how strong Genji is. How many teams are really, really picking a lot of Genji? So, Shatter definitely known for his Genji play. Famous. There's though, also yeah. rumors that the sixth member of this team that actually replacing Minstrel might be Grego. Uh, currently on the Carbon uh, Entertainment Carbon uh, Series website. They have Grego on the roster, so this is not confirmed. But wow. Grego might be replacing Minstrel as Lucio main, uh, which it'd, would be great. And be let's be honest, it. Team Liquid has been struggling for a long time now. So uh, good to see them change things up. Uh, and I could see someone like Shatter, so a Genji like that, uh, being exactly what they need. Um, they haven't really had super, super strong Genji play. Um, you know, ID is great Pharah, but uh, not, not, not as great with Genji. So... We'll see. That could be neat.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll be good. We've been waiting for TL to to at least. Have... I look forward to
1: seeing that. Uh, seeing that team scrimming that team, seeing them at tournaments. I mean, I think uh, Overwatch is awesome because you never know what a player is going to do. You know, and CS sometimes you just pick up, you know, Stewie Two K, and people are like, Jesus, this guy's wild. Like he's just going to hit every headshot. Um, <laughs> but you know, picking up a, a a great star player in Overwatch is not quite the same thing because it's all a question of how their style works with the team, how they mesh with the team you know, how that, how that communication aspect plays in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd love to see how this team, you know, like the results they start putting up. Uh, same thing about uh, NRG's new roster. I mean, I, I want to see how that team continues to grow and gel together because I think they have a lot of potential. It's just a question of uh, if or when they're going to realize it.
2: So Speaking this of is the other potentially big <laughs> news, Chris. Uh, a certain tweet went out from the NRG account. Yeah, a certain just, tweet. Just a couple hours ago.
0: F- certain tweet and happened to include our friend Harblue. Who uh, obviously recently left a Complexity, and we've been speculating the last week or so as to whether, at least in our in our dreams, our our just marketing dreams, <laughs> we were thinking, oh, hardly on energy, wow, that'd be a, like a team full of a bunch of top streamers. Now that IDQD has joined too. Um, and it looks like they'll he'll be streaming basically with the NRG team, so uh, you know the sixth of sixth man at least of it. So the speculation is whether he's trying out for them right now, and
2: I mean he's got to be. Why, why else would they tweet Seagull <laughs> Dummy IDDQD NumLocked and Ajax, who are all on NRG? We know this. Like, well, Ajax hasn't been officially confirmed yet, or has he? I can't remember. But yeah, uh, they tweeted six men will be streaming today at 4 p.m. Pacific uh, in two <laughs> hours, including Harblu. So, has it been confirmed? Has Harblu joined NRG? We don't. I mean, it's not official, official, but NRG I, and friends. I mean, this and has got to be, he, like,
0: his name is in confirmation, just like, confirmation,
2: right? I don't know if I can, like, leak the roster t-
1: they've been trying. You know, yeah, yeah. I would say you could it, just man. look at this tweet and, you know, draw your own conclusions.
2: They, they made Harblue and Ajax's names They're not exactly
1: smaller. hiding anything.
0: Yeah, you know, it's like a, maybe a couple smuff I mean, <laughs> those players smaller, certainly don't have
1: contracts signed yet. So, I mean, who knows? But I'd say that the fact that they're playing with the team of placements speaks for itself, maybe.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, if his name was as big as NumLock's, then, you know, then would I, think we the, <laughs> I think we'd have a, a very strong conclusion. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, it looks at the very least like he's trying out for them. So that would be pretty sweet, man. That would be uh, a lot of fans, at least uh, a lot of fan favorites, all on the same team, which would um, know, generate a lot of hype.
1: I'm just continually impressed by Dumby's Ana. I think he's one of the best in the
2: scene right now. Really
0: underrated mm-hmm. player. I think yeah, a lot he's of people sick, miss man.
1: It, but he's a very, very talented
2: gamer. Yeah, I've actually been watching his his YouTube videos recently. He's been putting out a lot of really good content. Have mm-hmm. yeah, you had one yesterday? Uh, over there. It's really impressive, actually.
0: Yeah, doing a lot of uh, just walkthroughs and analysis and this stuff. It's been really, really good. Okay, well, let's move on. I uh, wanted to give a quick shout-out to the folks listening on iTunes. Um, for those of you that... Like to listen to podcasts on the way to work or on the bus or anything? Got your iPad or iPhone or whatever? Um, we are available on iTunes as well as Google uh, Play or Google uh, Podcast and SoundCloud, so you can check us out there if you if that's uh, more of your your um, speed. Uh, we have actually have a lot of listeners that that do listen to the show that way, so I want to give a shout out to some folks. Just a sec. Yeah, no problem. I'll give a shout out to um, Grayson TV who uh, left us a five-star review and a a nice comment there. That, leaving five-star reviews and and helping us with that, the ratings, uh, helps people find us when they're searching for an Overwatch podcast on iTunes. So if you want to help out the show, you know, don't have like a few bucks to throw our way, even though we don't have a patron yet either. Uh, You just go to iTunes and leave us a a review there. That'd be amazing and uh, help greatly. Okay, well, um, why don't we talk about Apex? Because uh, yeah. there's been a lot going on Apex. Last week, we we talked about uh, just potential of how you know these last few matches would basically determine whether we'd see a lot of Western teams in the top eight or if we weren't, because there was a lot on the line. Basically, everybody was on the bubble except for Envy, and they all had a chance to make it through. Unfortunately, <laughs> you know, I think our prediction was two two or maybe two teams get through. Well. Only one team got through, guys, and uh, you know probably we'll, we'll talk about I guess each one of them a little bit. But uh, Ben, did you would you catch most of these or uh, you, you know I didn't catch
2: last night's games. Unfortunately.
0: Okay, I yeah, did watch you... the
2: Misfit game. Um, so yeah, I, I don't. We're actually running out of time. So much yeah. great discussion on the show, so I don't think we really have time to really go deep into the meta and, and what we saw from the mm-hmm. matches themselves. But sadly, Fnatic, Misfits, and Cloud9. Have all made their exit from the Apex tournament. Envious, the only Western team remaining. And um, they actually suffered a pretty surprising loss last week, too. So even Envious, not really looking like uh, the strongest possible team as we kind of expected. Uh, the thing about Envious is they don't have the Genjis and the Tracers like other teams have. So while Envious has been consistently the number one team in the world for quite some time now, they may not be best suited for this current meta where Genji, Tracer, Farah is so important. They don't have tailspin anymore. Who was that guy who played Genji, Tracer, Pharaoh for them. Um, can Taimu flex into Tracer? I mean, sure. We've seen him play a little bit of Tracer in the past, but it's, it's absolutely not what he's known for. Uh, so really up in the air now, as three of the Western teams gone, Envy is the only one left. And this is definitely not their strongest meta. Uh, so I, I'm, I, I, if I'm a betting man, I don't think I bet on Envious anymore.
0: I'm not sure. Well, Lunatic High was the first, uh, you know, top seed to pick during the draws, and they picked Envious. You know, so they, you know, that's how it works. By the way, in in Apex, for those of you that are not familiar with it, uh, the top four seeds from groups they get to actually choose their opponent. Uh, they, you know, it's it's ranked, it's seeded too, right? The the actual top four, so they they get to choose what what side they want to be on. At least they they go in order, and then they get to choose who they want to want to to play. So very interesting that Lunatic High picked Envy. You know, it, it says a lot. Maybe they think they match up well against them. But yeah, I don't think Envy is looking super strong right now. Tai seemed confident. I mean, it's it's like what are you supposed to ex- what do you expect him to say? But he was the representative for Envy during the draws, and he was very very confident that that you know they would be beating Lina Takai and he was excited to be able to play them. But yeah, I am curious to see how that's going to turn out. I don't, I don't think it's going to be easy. That's for sure. For envy. If not, it might be potentially a loss for them. I don't know. What do you think Jay?
1: Um, envy is a, is a team that has always sort of surprised me because I mean, part of the, part of the equation is that they just have like a star set roster and they've had a roster that they've only made minor changes to throughout their lifetime as a team, um, which I think is awesome. Um, I see a lot of players in that team that are just incredibly potent. Although, one problem I do see is a little bit of overlap, right? Like, I see an extremely strong hit scan player in Taimu, but also in Harry Hook. Um, they both are incredibly powerful hit scan heroes. I mean, Taimu also has that Roadhog, just, you know, definitely on lock. Um, but like you were saying, you know, that Genji, that Pharah, it's there, but it's not, um, it's not there in the same capacity maybe the other teams have it. Like, it's not, uh, uh, people aren't quite so comfortable on those flex options. Um, which is why I think having you know a really deep hero pool is an, is a really important thing for long term success. You know, although I look at a player like Harry Hook and I'm just convinced that he can play everything. Yeah. Um, you know, it might be a matter of learning, but if I'm Harry Hook right now, I, I'm learning. I, I'm spending my all my time learning those heroes that I'm not currently the best at in the meta. Because uh, unless you know, you know, something EnVyUs has been known for is sort of just fearlessly running Triple Tank McCree and just on every map in every situation, just just no. believing in Harry Hook's ability to, to pop off every game which, you know, that's that's a strategy. Like, that if that can work, if you if you play it perfectly. Um, but I would say it would be their benefit to have more flex options, being ready to pull out that Genji, who's so powerful, so potent right now against so many rosters. Uh, you know, being able to pull out those, you know, slightly non-standard and unexpected picks. Even if you're running triple tank, maybe you don't want a McCree. Maybe you want something a little more versatile. Maybe you want the tracer, which is a slight hole in the roster. Although, I, I mean, I do think time and Harry like, both have impressive tracers. They don't quite have the same – comfort the play style uh, that they're just so adapted to playing tracer you know you see a lot of north america teams having a lot of success right now uh because you know like let's say take rogue as an example they have they have soon who i think is the best tracer in the whole world yeah. um, you know so you know have a player like that on your roster you're happy anytime there's a meta that lets soon play his best character you know and the same is true uh, on the other the other dps you know i think i think niko is incredibly good akm is incredibly good and they have a versatile hero pool and between them they basically play every single fragging class in the game um, when you have a situation like that on your roster, you're kind of immune in a way to um, to the meta changes and, and, and to the to the hero style changes. Uh, so I think the question is, can Envy patch those holes? Like, is, is the ship tight enough? And uh, are those players ready? Uh, if anyone can, it's Envy, but I think I'll be excited to watch those games for sure
0: they might I mean, have to with bastion all... with, with bastion yeah, throw it all out <laughs> the window we got bastion like, right yeah,
1: night. <laughs> this past radical these guys might actually just be the saving grace that envy needs <laughs> it, it, it actually yeah. it King's genuinely NBA could have this is just impact like
2: last apex season wasn't there a patch before the last yeah, week of, of last week last yeah. apex
0: yeah was yeah. did not do that I think. well that was great last Apex was crazy it was job, i mean they literally just put yeah um mickey in like last minute but yeah uh, i mean just talking just real quick about some of the things i mean it wasn't quite it was 3-0 Athena over envy uh and had already clinched at least a spot but they did lose their number one seed because of that so they didn't get to choose their opponent uh misfits who actually had a chance it was a really tough chance i think they had a 3-0 Lunatic high or v- maybe 3-1 they ended up losing yeah, 3-0 one. yeah they ended up 3-0 there i linked this ridiculous mirror play, which I didn't actually Gosh. realize you could oh. even do until he actually did that. That was where he, on the Ilios, he just dives out into the ether, like out into the ocean, and then he jumps back out of like like thin air, somehow propelling himself back onto the map, which is...
1: Really just impressive was to play. Make use of he just completely min-maxed the hero. He used the ultimate's <laughs> uh, uh, jump cooldown reset when casted, yeah. and then he also used the fact that when the ultimate ends, you also get a jump pack reset, so he basically just I mean, he played it perfectly and he also lives and escapes with his life i mean it's just a, it's an absolutely nutty play and i think it speaks to the beauty of overwatch that even you take a character like winston a lot of people say oh well winston i mean like not like you need to aim it's like such an easy hero well watch miro play and tell me that
0: uh you know like
1: watch any of these players play these heroes that a lot of people don't see as like super high skill ceiling and then you know you when you watch someone do something like that you're like yeah okay like show me that you can do that and then i'll believe you this is not hard to play
0: yeah, uh, absolutely. Watching the best, at, watching the players that are the best in the world at their hero is like why I watch Overwatch. Man, it's like it's like yeah. beauty. Uh, it's a beautiful experience. Uh, the next match, Kung du, um Unsyu versus C Nine, and C Nine needed to win. And last week we were talking about this. This was like the least likely chance I think for uh, one of the teams, even though. I think some of you guys might have picked C9. It was a great series. It ended up going um, down to the last map three uh, two. I mean, it was. I think it was by far the best um, you know quarterfinal match or not quarterfinal, but but group. Uh, There's just the final stages or final match in the last week. C9. I feel like c 9s coming together now. Like I feel like C9 is one of the top eight teams. Just they just didn't make it into it. Like right now in, in Apex. I,
2: I feel like C9 has always been one of the even when they're struggling. you have to remember they were struggling from being the best team in the world. (laughs) Like there was, there was a two month period where it was pretty clear that C9 was like the best in the world during the beta. Uh, So struggling compared to that, I think they've, they've always been top eight in my opinion.
0: Uh, I mean, they've been, yeah, they've been having a hard time though. Since, I mean, since even since Mendo joined, right? They've never put it together. But now, what I when I saw from them against Kungdo Insia, which you know Kungdo Insia is top, I don't know five team, I guess I'd say. What would you say, Jake? Kungdo somewhere in their top. Uh, they're
1: ranked eleven on Ghost right now, but it looks like they've had a really solid winning record.
0: Yeah, it's
1: it's so hard to say these days because you know you have the global Ghosty ranking, but let's say my team one hundred percent of our points have been earned in North America playing against North yeah, American teams. Yeah, right. yeah. A very like a couple European teams, like two or three, but. You know, and they, they're they the exact opposite. Every single point has been earned in, in Korea playing against Korean teams. So that's why I'm so excited for the Overwatch League. I want to see, I want to play them. You know, I want to, I want exactly. to see those matchups. I want to match up the best of the best in the world. And, you know, I want to go to those international lands because I I think so many of those questions remain unanswered to this day. Like, who knows how good these teams are against one another? You know, you say, oh, Envy beat this North American team. Yeah, sure. And then this Korean team beat Envy. Well, the Korean team must be better. But in a game like Overwatch, it's never so simple. So I think, um, I mean, overall, uh, I just am super excited to see these teams play each other, see my team play these teams.
0: I agree. I agree. Um, but overall, just against Kundu who who's a very solid team. Kundu with their ult econ- economy, Super efficient, you know, like with it. So C9 being disciplined enough to actually hang in there with their own old, uh, economy and efficiency, not quite at the level of KU, but very, very close, made it just... I mean, it just opened my eyes to, like, C9, like, that match. And then getting a chance to actually see Surefour and, and Birdring really going head-to-head, you know, like it really did come down to just who would get the better end of each of those exchanges that you know, which team actually had more success. Obviously they're, they're, you know, Mendo doing well too. And, and just the, the different characters, I mean, the different teammates actually, you know, per, performing at a high level too. It was great to see C9 was as fluid as I've ever seen just switching constantly. Like literally every time Kung Do NCA would switch, they would switch to counter you know, after they died. Um, so Watch that series if you guys haven't gotten a chance to watch it. You should definitely see that. Uh, and then lastly, Fnatic Runaway. That was a runaway <laughs> by Runaway. It was not even close. They, I mean, I think Fnatic probably played their worst game of the, the season against Runaway, unfortunately. But um, but yeah, Hacksaw Stitch just way outplayed. Like Buds and Hoppy equal. It was crazy. I don't know if you guys caught yeah. it or not. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, I haven't had a chance to catch it yet. Uh, I, but I have i feel like I'm the only person who's been saying this. But I have a bone to pick. I ha- i have to say this. I feel like Hafikul cool has not played nearly as well as people have given him credit for. Like, as soon as Hafikul cool joined this Fnatic squad, everyone's like, he's so good. They're, this is going to make them awesome. Like, they're not going to miss a beat. But they have not been the same since they lost IDDQD. And I'm not <laughs> saying Hafikul is bad he's definitely good but he has not he's not really helped this roster at all like they've they've just been on a downward trend ever since they lost iddqd and it's a real shame too because i think stoop was one of the best reinhardts in na when he was still here cool matt obviously an incredible zarya buds reaper was insane uh Bonifil, great shot caller Costa, great uh great Anna. Oh. And oh. Anna. but yeah honestly like I I just like people kept singing Havi Cool's praise and I'm just I'm just not seeing it yet. Uh I need to catch the games obviously, but they well, lost That's, that's not the to series to watch if,
0: yeah. if uh, people are making a an argument for Havi Cool because yeah, it was it was pretty ugly just to be quite frank. Um but yeah, so Fnatic got knocked out too. I think Fnatic had the best chance of actually going through. I, they might have only needed to win one or two game like maps I'm not I forget exactly how it played out but they definitely had the best chance in fact I think I picked them last week to go through so um, you know disappointing obviously that they are, they're they going home too but uh, in the end guys top last eight up. is going to be yeah. Envy Lunatic High, uh, Metathena versus AFB, Kungdu Panthera versus LW Blue and then um, uh, Kungdu Insia versus Runaway which is I think those last two those Pan- Panthera versus LW Blue and Insia versus Runaway are going to be sick man going to be like awesome to watch that. So definitely catch that.
2: Jake, I see what you're talking about on Huffy Cool's Twitter. What did you say? I, I see oh. what Jake was talking about. Huffy Cool goes... Oh, link me this. What is... Rogue showing that the mid-tier NA teams that they are still mid-tier NA teams. I think that's talking about you guys. Well, I mean, if Fnatic yeah. would like to scrim, I mean... I <laughs> wow. uh, might turn
1: them down. Oh, I can see, see it. Yikes. <laughs> Just kidding. We'd love to scrim you, <laughs> Fnatic.
0: Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be definitely good. Uh, well, I think we're out of time now. Given that you know Ben's yeah, got to get to get to some some work, so why don't we wrap up? We've got some questions that we'll, we'll get to next week. We'll just queue up a uh, you know a few more next week. But uh, Jake, man, it's super pleasure having you on. I think. Um, Thanks for having me. It was awesome. Definitely love to have you on again. you're, just, you're super well spoken, and I think you've got some. You just got great perspective on. on uh, Thank you. Yeah. Any shout outs you want to do?
1: Um, shout out to my Twitter, I guess, at jake underscore Overwatch. Shout out to my Twitch, also jake underscore Overwatch. <laughs> um, huge shout out to my team, my sponsors. I mean, Hammer Esports has done just great by us. Um, they're an awesome org you know, growing in the scene right now. Uh, and, and, and I look forward to great things out of them in the future. Um, for my team, honestly, the, I'm, the only reason I'm here sitting in this chair doing this interview is because of them. Uh, you know, I, I really have a lot of faith in my my team, a lot of faith in my roster, um, and if you follow us, I, I think we'll I think we'll do great things with you guys. Uh, so <laughs> I think I, I think you're gonna see this six stay together for a long time. I mean, when you talked about Virtus Pro a little bit in Counter Strike, and it's funny because that was always the analogy I made talking to Orx when we were still unsponsored, trying to make the pitch, uh, which is just that we don't we don't want to change. We want to build a dynasty together, and I think the only way you do that is is with a consistent six, and it's with trust. And it's with skill and growth. So we're hoping for those things in the future. Huge shout out to my mom, my biggest supporter. Love you, mom. This is Jason
0: Uh, all over again. This is awesome. (laughs) Jason does it every week. That's awesome. Okay, uh, Ben, you want to do shout outs?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thanks to Jake for coming on the show. Uh, I know you got some scrims to get to before your your matches tonight. Go figure out that bastion and uh, let us know how that goes. We'll uh, we'll all be watching its Carbon series, uh, twitch.tv slash Carbon Entertainment later today. And honestly, thank you so much, Jake, because that was probably one of the best interviews mm-hmm. that we've had on the show. Uh, and I, I'm definitely a Hammers fan now. So I'm going to be watching to see how you guys do. I, I love uh, the mature attitude you're bringing to the table. So I uh, can't wait to see how you guys do in the future. And And yeah, that's pretty much it for me. I'll be uh, I'll be watching you guys in like two hours. Yep, in the me too.
1: Series <laughs> I can't quick. wait. We're the second match, so we're actually at uh at 10:15 Eastern.
2: Okay, 15 PM well, Eastern. That's go go get those Bastion scrims in quickly. Yeah, <laughs> we're sorry for sorry
0: to Hammers for keeping you so long. If you break out a Bastion, you get bonus points us today tonight oh, no, <laughs> at least from us. If
1: there's not a Bastion, I will be very surprised. <laughs> wow, we'll see okay. how it plays in scrims. I mean, this is it's matches like this are always insane because day one no one knows anything like there's no metagame it's just like uh what what made sense in our two hours of scrims let's run it let's let's go
0: yeah, yeah. So it should be yeah. fun. cool. i uh, round things out, thanking the, both of you guys, Jake and uh, Fishsticks, for a great, great show. All the folks that have been watching, too. You can check out the VODs at youtube.com slash This one, uh, a little bit later tonight, as well as all the other great episodes that we've done in the past are all there. Um, I also do some Hearthstone shows, so tomorrow I'll have a Value Town. There's a lot of stuff going on in Hearthstone, too, so check out Value Town tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern, and we're doing another streamer showdown on uh, next Monday, too. Uh, but other than that, audio folks, uh, catch us on itunes just go search for overwatch and we'll show up i think second or third upper third actually third so uh try to try to get us up to second that'd be awesome that's like our next goal right now uh but yeah you can check us out there and subscribe to the feed and you know whenever i upload it which will be later tonight you'll get it instantly but that's going to be it guys for the overview so for jake Fishsticks, and myself cham mv we'll see you next time later